Good morning, John. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm good. We, had, yeah. we didn't know. No one. Yeah, it was, it was a struggle this morning getting the sound to work. You just lived it, but here we and, are. So. And what the best part was is that it, I don't. I didn't have the Zoom call open in my window, so I just heard all of your like onomatopoeias and struggle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because I have headphones on, it was just in my ears. So, <laughs> just you in the background. Oh, ah, ah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> if I, yeah, if, if the sound was working, I could have recorded all of that and edited it into mm. the episode. But <laughs> that should be the soundboard, John. Like, oh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Um, we had some flurries this morning. Yeah, not you know, not as much up where I was, but um, yeah, well, coming. Coming in from the valley, you know, I had some nice little dusting coming down on my windshield, which always makes me happy. Everybody gets all doom and gloom about snow, but you know what? Let's appreciate every season for what it brings us. Right? Yeah, I, you know, the the first snow is my favorite. The eighteenth snow, I get a little bit over yeah. it. But yes, yeah. That, but I'm I, you over know, it. <laughs> I would say I say like. Because I go back to Fond du Lac for sturgeon spearing, which is usually around Valentine's Day. So, like, I just needed to, like, roll through the cold to keep me to, like, there. But then afterwards, I'm like, we're good. Wait, so let's say hypothetically you spear a sturgeon. Does it, like, so sturgeon, I mean, caviar is sturgeon, right? Yes. So have you ever had sturgeon caviar from a sturgeon you speared? It's a, well, you can't sell it, but it, there actually was this huge sting that just happened in Fond du Lac like last year because there was these old like bar owners that were like illegally trading stir, or sturgeon caviar. I believe, yeah, you can. I've actually, yes, I've had some from one of my fathers that he had kept and tried to make. My uncles, like as long as it's your fish, you're cool to do it, but you can't distribute. But I've oh, had sure. it before, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was like really gross. Like I remember like going over to my uncle's house as a little kid and there was just like a bucket, like a five gallon bucket full of just like beady gross eggs. And I'm like, we're gonna be eating that. (laughs) 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 Well, Uh, this is, I I know like lobster, right? Like lobster used to be like what they would make, you know, if you were like on a prison work crew or, or whatever if you're stranded on an island and you're building mm-hmm. a lighthouse or something yeah. they would say oh go dive for some lobster <laughs> yeah yeah it was like it was like yeah we eat bugs out here go eat some bugs <laughs> yeah water bugs mm. yeah but yeah pretty much i guess yeah but for whatever reason it becomes bougie and i guess maybe as like scarcity increases or the lack there of like I think this kind of like reverts back to our whole Jello topic again last year. Oh, last a little year. bit maybe. <laughs> well, and I don't. Phrase. I could kind of, you know, I I wonder too if there's a bit of a sensation seeking thing. Like, if you can afford to eat whatever you want, and you probably typically do, right? Then novel tastes start to have a lot of weight. It's like, oh well. This is not like other things. It's not necessarily good, but it's not like other things. So therefore, I value it a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I'm trying to think of some other products that are like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't quite know. What's but the? Weird... Oh, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, go right ahead. I was trying to remember because there's this. Um, you know, there's like. 
it's the corn, but it gets sick. It's like gets moldy or something. And then it's like it creates a different flavor profile, so you can use it in dishes. Is that like I know like soy, like if you're gonna make um gosh it's using a lot of like Asian dishes. I can't remember. I don't know, moldy corn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has a Wikipedia page. Oh, right, right, right. Of course. Mm. Yeah, well, it's... But it's I don't know if you time. Google... Like, if you Google moldy corn, is it, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to land on the right Wikipedia. No, I think we're just going to get, like, a lot of, like, farmer FAQ. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I guess it kind of happens in silage. Yeah, I don't know. I know way too much about it. I think I've mentioned this before. I just have a weird backstory of knowledge of farming-related topics. <laughs> hmm. But, yeah, a lot of my topics that I want to talk today resound around food, funny enough, and I like that we kicked it off with it. Even if it's weird, barely edible food, but yeah. Yeah, uh, but this Let's first go. food, uh, what do we know about, uh, when I say mac and cheese, Who? what do we think of? Okay, so uh, my brain goes a couple places. Number one, craft, mm-hmm. you know, childhood staple. Mm-hmm. And then number two, I'm thinking noodles and company, because it's like if I want some, you know, mm. barbecue pork mac. And that's just their whole, like, their 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 whole thing that they're doing right is we mm-hmm. have our set of noodles and we have our set of sauces and our set of meats and you can mix them in whatever freaky combination you want like it was really weird walking into a noodles and not knowing that's what they were doing because i was like oh. why does this place have pad thai and mac and cheese like what sort of restaurant am i attending right now? <laughs> i've only been to a noodles once and i feel like i've missed out on such a cultural like thing but man, I do love me some good comfort food. I used to work at uh, the Crow here in town, and we always had special mac and cheese every a couple of days a week. And yeah, that's I, I found a new love for. And now, like, still living like a semi bachelor life, like I'm still making a lot of interesting concoctions with my mac and cheese. But uh, even focusing on myself, you know, like when we typically think of the general consumer of of mac and cheese, who do you think that is? Oh yeah, like a like an eight year old kid. Who's mm-hmm. bugging his mom? Or I guess the moms who buy the boxes is sort of one or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, Kraft uh, did a little market research and they found out that 45% of the folks buying said mac and cheese do not have children. Wow. Right. So almost almost 50% or half of their market share do not uh, do not have children, which again instinctively we assume like it's that go-to mom-ready kind of product. Um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, it's it's forty five percent that do not have kids, and who and like people that support up to sixty percent who support the brand in general do not have children. But we think a craft is like a very family centric brand. Um, and uh, what kind of external forces do you think are influencing this, John? Wow, uh, well, I'm just sort of still shocked for a minute. Like, so I feel like what you're saying is when they made the dinosaur shaped mac and cheese, that was a good call. Mm-hmm. But they should have also made, like, I don't know what, NFL-themed or, <laughs> I don't know, like, in, like like Instagram influencer mac and cheese or, I don't know. Some, like, like, some how, Jake Paul mac and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Jake. <laughs> I feel like then you could then you can make the 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 noodles fight somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, precisely. It's kind of like the same along the lines of like when we think of Pedialyte. Like, who's the target market for Pedialyte? Uh yeah. Uh, moms who have a kid with a cold and they're like so worried. 
right? But uh, we find out that a majority, not a majority, but another like large percent of the market share of these consumers are actually just college students recovering from like one too many natty lights. Like a large oh. part version <laughs> is that like electric. <laughs> so it's just interesting that we have these ingrained assumptions. But yeah, so you, would, brought, you had an original mm-hmm. question. You're like, what are the external forces? And mm-hmm. I got distracted. So external forces, I mean, man, it's convenient right mm-hmm. it's a super convenient food that it isn't i mean cooking for one is like it feels like a lot of work for not a lot of payoff right like if you cook for eight friends it feels so amazing and it's like basically the same amount of work mm-hmm. so i mean i guess so you're cook maybe you're cooking for one so you're not really trying to spend a lot of time or energy doing it mm-hmm. and uh i don't know maybe maybe i'm living on a fixed income and it's really cheap mm-hmm. Yep, I will say the, the the spurring of this research kicked off of, I hate to even bring it up because I know we're all tired of it, COVID. Um, it was a prepackaged good that people were able to buy um, and Kraft actually was like kind of pre-COVID was hurting a little bit. Uh, they, were, they weren't seeing a ton of like brand recognition or they were seeing brand recognition, but not preference, but you know, due to shortages, people eating in more, um, lacking available or like other, it was pre-packaged, you could stock up and they saw the surge, but then they were also beginning to see some interesting uh, statistics surrounding like who was buying. So they dove in a little bit deeper. Yeah, and found out that like the majority of the folks or at least half of the folks that are buying, again, are just your average uh, Johns. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Um, That's really interesting. Yeah, so I I came across one of their marketing ads. Um, It's a new campaign that they had just launched. And it is like not the craft, like, you know, mom stirring a pot on the stove, scooping out a healthy serving to give the little Jimmy and like, oh, crap, making cheese. I don't know. It was this like, uh, do you know the artist Remy Wolf? Uh Uh-uh. Well, we'll we'll insert a little track. (laughs) Track drop. (laughs) Um, Just like super like upbeat, kind of like hipster, like poppy. It's just like uh, this dude, I forget what he does, kind of like goes and is like jamming around the city, dancing around. He's like a 20, 30 year old something. Just like in terms of everybody shown in the advertisement, it's these like millennials out there having a good life, you know? And then they talk about having a healthy serving and it was just like completely, I was like, this is a mac and cheese ad? It was very intriguing because yeah, there was nobody under the age of like 10 or 15 at least shown. So that was kind of funny. And it was just an interesting little kind of a kick. Yeah, you know, I feel like this is sort of a general principle that, like, you can you can teach yourself how prejudiced just in general you truly are by interacting with any sort of, like, market research on products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I know, I mean, there's sort of the couple famous Malcolm Gladwell examples with, like, oh, I, you know, we put a bunch of, you know, we made some pickles and then we said hey we could make these like you know a little spicy i guess and then they asked people mm-hmm. to rate the pickles and everybody like a there was a big group of people picking the spiciest pickles all the time and then you get zesty pickles or like the mm-hmm. you know tomato sauce like the the prego style chunky tomato sauce was mm-hmm. discovered when you just ask people like do you want a thin gruel or do you want a slightly less thin gruel and they kept picking the chunkiest thing well you know like like traditional (laughs) tomato sauce is a i mean it's 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 just a sauce i mean there's no there's no you know you're not picking big things out of it yeah Um, 
But they're just like, well, but, you know, the market doesn't care about tradition. It cares about what people want. And if you offer them something mm-hmm. they want, like zesty mm-hmm. pickles and Prego, they'll vote with their dollars. Yep, yeah, but it's, it's it's interesting to see brands like actually taking a second to pause and think and be like, okay, so we see this surge in in purchasing. Like, it's really, really good to see, okay, who are these folks? Is it empty nesters? Are they millennials? What's the dynamic? And what are they trying to buy? Which is always just really intriguing to me. Yeah, okay, here you go. You ready for one like that? Because mm-hmm. like, I think what you're getting at too, right, is – the target market for the brand doesn't necessarily match to the target market that purchasers want to identify with, right? It's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm single. I want like a, a shelf stable food that's like easy. Well, great, but you don't want to advertise. Hey, look at this. This is a shelf stable food that's easy, right? You want to have mm-hmm. happy, upbeat, you know, millennial singer dude or like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, the this so, so this is true with cars because you mm-hmm. think you know so there was you know so so I think Ford uh, mm-hmm. created a car like they you know they did some R and D like this a million years ago but it's like okay we made a car that's like sort of down market right it's it's pretty you know it's compared to other cars it's pretty cheap but mm-hmm. it's reliable I mean it's sort of like good from getting you know like getting from A to B and so it's just like you know a pretty basic utilitarian cost effective kind of car right it's this very reasonable car yep but people don't want to buy a car because it's reasonable so like okay well i guess what we'll do is we'll create a 5 liter version of it that nobody buys yeah this is the inception of the mustang like that Ooh. yeah that was how the mustang, mustang. it started as like cuz and again in the like lowest smallest engine incarnation you know at the time it was a pretty practical hmm. reliable family sedan ish and you can even see like they wandered you know in the 80s they had like luggage racks on the back and like you know i don't know they yeah. but um but yeah it was always this conflict like people wanted just a regular old reliable reasonable car but they wanted to feel like they got a sports Something car fun yeah huh. yeah Intriguing, intriguing. So hmm. we get lied to and we like it. Yeah, speaking of getting lied to, well, I mean, not necessarily lied to, but uh, I also came across an interesting article all about steak. <laughs> you like steak, John? You know, uh, man, I, I don't know. So... Isn't that funny? This seems like a very uncontroversial question. But, okay, number one, I'd really much rather have, like, 18 different kinds of fish than, like, a slab of... I mean, prime rib I like. Mm, Um, I love prime rib. And filet with the right sauce. You know, just a... I don't know. Um, You know, it's got to have, like, the, you know, the, like, a nice reduction bone brothy kind of... You know, like, whatever. That that sauce they put on it. The super rich... You know, <laughs> the nice mom, mouthfeel sauce. Anyway, yeah. My mom, when I was younger, like had me thinking that A1 steak sauce was really expensive. I remember like it being <laughs> a really hot commodity. Like we would only get a little tiny bit. Like you only get a little. And like I remember like thinking it was like like $30 a bottle. When I came to college, and then I went to go buy it for myself. And I was like, what the? <laughs> like, not even true. <laughs> 
But yes, I asked because I was just curious about your general stance. But now what if I were to ask you about 3D printed steak? Ooh. Um, so just for the novelty, I'm super excited. But uh-huh. also, like, um, I'm, yeah, like, I also am super positive about it in that you know we do like raise these animals and kill them and eat them and that's like fine but if i had a perfectly reasonable alternative to doing that that was cheaper or like cost competitive and like flavor competitive for like just ethical reasons i'd be super about making the switch yeah, so we've heard about little figurines, mechanical parts, yep, and, and now steak. There's an Israeli company that is uh, kind of exploding across Europe right now that is creating a, a printed steak out of, I think they were using uh, pea proteins, chickpeas, beets, coconut fat, yeast, and layering it all together to create, like, for lack of better words, like the flesh and fat of real meat and it's now exploding and um, is available at multiple restaurants across Europe. That's that's wild. Well, you know, it's interesting because we think about like chicken, right? Chicken's mostly protein and beef is also mostly protein, but they don't, I mean, they taste nothing like each other, but there's like, there's a chemical in beef that chicken doesn't have that make, you know, that sort of makes it taste like beef. I mean, you could, it's just a liquid and they, you know, they can create it with a chemical process now. So mm-hmm. you could take chicken and shoot it with the stuff and then it will be chicken that tastes beef fish. Um, but no one wants that. Nobody wants that. Right. No. But, a, you know, a vegetarian product that has, you know, that is convincingly texture wise and appearance wise beef. And even I'm guessing, right, if they can 3D print it, it can be like perfectly marbled and like, you know, like a really fine, nice cut. And then it has that beef flavor. That yeah. would be really attractive. And, and right, you'd be, you could, right, it's tough to get to margins on those things. But what if, right, if you're trying to get to, I mean, think about like what a, you know, what a, a really expensive steak cut is per pound i mean these are like 20 dollars a pound and, and right like it's already right yeah it's already like in terms of like a relatively high involvement product relatively expensive generally regardless of i mean because beef is extremely good beef is extremely expensive to produce like i forget how many gallons of water a day a cow takes just to like exist we think about that the food like all the input costs i mean yes we're doing it at scale so i mean there's still some margin that we're saving there but as you were touching on, like, yeah, there, there needs to be demand. But supposedly, um, so we look at brands, like I'm trying to remember some of the ones, um, like Beyond Meat uh, is a pretty big one in the United States. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, we saw around like $14 billion worth of like sales globally. And Barclays has uh, predicted that by 2029 to be around a $140 billion industry. So there's definite seems to be interest and demand in this industry so it might be one that we might want to uh invest in a little bit yeah keep our eyes on Uh right because beyond meat i know i feel like they're often competing with hamburger yeah and so Mm -hmm. it's it's tougher because i mean hamburger i mean hamburger isn't i mean anytime you're dealing with beef it's not cheap because i mean it just takes so much compared to chicken it takes a lot more feed to get a pound of beef but Mm -hmm. um 
But still, I mean, you think if you wander into a grocery store, I mean, what, it's if, you know, $4 a pound or whatever. I mean, this, you know, we'll, we'll maybe may, we've got we've got 6% inflation right now. So when we come back, maybe that episode will sound funny. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like it's easier to get to making, you know, offering a product that's cheaper and better when you're trying to compete with $20 a pound than um, than four. Right? But but it's more like, you know, they got to do all the printing work. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> all though. The printing of me. Yeah. It sounds like a pretty smart idea to me. Mm hmm. Speaking of uh, smart, John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why are we, we're telegraphing the transition so hard this episode. (laughs) Oh, part of the fun. (laughs) So what is, speaking of smart, John. (laughs) What do you know about the smart grant program? I don't know anything. Smart, smart grant? You don't know about the strengthening mobility and revolutionizing transportation grant? Oh, is it? Uh, uh, I'm gonna let you go. I feel like I feel like I heard whisperings of this somewhere, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's infrastructure reaps. We know that uh, the president is uh, looking to have or the Senate into law that I believe it was like one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited. A lot of like the imagery that I was being displayed, you know, are these like utopian futures of like flying cars and like minimalist homes, like ooh, smart technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of talk about um, doing things, but we know that like our current grid structure just across the United States is like ancient and is like well beyond its uh, maturity points. We know that there's tons of underserved communities. We're seeing like even just a large metropolitans and rural communities beyond, beyond just like bumpy roads and potholes, just in terms of in general. Um, and we're also seeing uh, demands in terms of things like our commerce, commerce delivery systems, general transportation. Did we talk about at all about, I think it was the, um, the personless taxis, right? Oh yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. GM and Cruise. Or yeah, mm-hmm. cru- just cruise the company. Didn't you know had their driverless thing going mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago? So we're seeing a lot of different like turbulence and change within. I mean, socio economical factors out there that are like pushing towards this demand and a change in our transport transportation system in general. From what I'm like remembering, um, but it's taking a look at this how this dissemination of like the allocation of I think it's like. $500 million that are going to be disseminated between like large, I think it's like per state. I'm trying to remember all the details. I had the article up, but I don't remember. But in general, it's taking a look at like how we're going to, I don't know, start conducting some change. I was like, what are they going to start doing? But it was interesting to see a majority of the bill is going to be surrounding like smart traffic lights and like nothing all too wild and crazy and exciting, but um, some definite investment in. Um, autonomous and connected vehicle infrastructures. Again, yeah, the smart traffic sensors, a lot more smart grids. Um, Also, I know kind of like a touchy subject um, is the commerce delivery trucks and logistics like autonomously. Um, I know that a lot of the like the trucker population in the US are pretty upset about this too, but it's it's interesting to see um, kind of like trajectory focus wise, like where we're looking to go in terms of methods and needs of transportation. Um, a lot more like EV vehicle, um, charging stations, all those different types of things. But it's it'll be interesting how this gets enacted and imposed because I know that a lot of things we're struggling with too is um, 
we've got we've got this demand now for electric vehicles the what kind of plug-in do they need again don't think they, they need like a 210 watt or something like that yeah yeah yeah. right you, right you don't yeah you would have to mm -hmm. wait a million years if you plugged it into a wall outlet right so you mm -hmm. have to mm -hmm. um i don't even right so like the, the yeah i'm not or not an electric car home construction enthusiast yet i hope to be in the future right i mm -hmm. hope to have my nice oh Hyundai dropped the most amazing EV this week. Did you see really? it? Oh, mm -mm. oh it's oh, like wait, yeah. super mm -hmm. 80s stylings. Oh, yeah. looks so cool. Looks so we in this audio podcast, so you can just have to imagine how cool the you know, just take your like most quintessential nineteen eighty-five sedan and make it an EV only with like super luxury interior. Yeah, it's just it looks great. I wonder so. who their target market is. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, right. I don't, you know, people who have good aesthetic sense and money. And the, the um. Oh, and I don't. You know. So I guess if I'm imagining how this whole driverless delivery deal works, like I feel like I don't know. I guess in my mind, there's probably like. A truck driver or maybe like a guy in the back and the truck's mm -hmm. driving itself slowly down the road and he's like loading up packages onto like autonomous delivery bikes like little bicycles oh, or fine. you know i mean because i don't you know drones yeah drones are great but they make a bunch of noise and you need a lot of drones to lift heavy things and like there's just no real reason to do it in the air at least not initially right later mm -hmm. Then you can be like, oh, well, we just have a central distribution warehouse and the drones leave and come back. But for now, it feels like it's a lot less friction to just put the boxes on a truck like we normally do and have mm -hmm. your little autonomous delivery bikes drive the, like, 27 feet to somebody's stoop and drop it off and then cruise. But, I mean, you know, maybe the truck never even stops. You know, we're just, like, loading True. it onto the little bikes and... <laughs> And and again, right? You could have a robot arm do that. So I guess maybe that's where the human involvement ends. But it feels mm -hmm. like the last person to leave would be the person who has to like look at the address, pull it off the shelf, like carefully, you know, whatever. Like put it, get it on whatever your little delivery thing is. Or I mean, I guess the other version is, you know, it's the the UPS delivery person still exists. They just don't drive, right? Like. They, but it doesn't. It just doesn't gain anything then, because there's. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting to think about where it will go. Like when things are, when we're. I mean, it's sort of easy to see that everything's autonomous thing, right? You're like, okay, no one's driving anything. We're all taking taxis that we don't drive, and all our stuff is delivered by drones that are autonomous, and you can like summon, you know, baby wipes to your park bench with your phone, and that's just fine that's just something about my life that my number one thought for if i could summon one thing <laughs> baby wipes <laughs> like oh i'm at the park and i'm dealing with a diaper and i don't have what i need save me okay google give me so it's okay that <laughs> I, I, I i i gave a two-minute speech in church on sunday and that was what i talked about that all that there's there's baby a ton time you know that there's a time and a season to every purpose and right now it's diaper time for me and later it'll be lace doily on the armchair watching matlock reruns time and i wonder what i'm at right now yeah 
Ooh. Rerun isn't even a thing. Like I, I just, I just said something that doesn't exist anymore. What rerun? Well, I suppose maybe it does, but I don't. Who I don't watch live TV, so I, that's like not I something. That could, like you don't count it a rerun if you, like is it a rerun if you hop on Netflix and watch Friends? Like no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just that's your choice it. to stream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be intriguing to see how this all kicks off, though, because I know that we're still like at a little bit of a skilled labor shortage. Even when I was working with some solar power companies around here, that was the main issue is that people are looking to get solar, but we didn't have the folks to install it. And it'll be interesting to see how like skilled labor and different things along those lines. So we're moving towards a much more technologic focused future, but we still need the human's hands to uh, to make it up and running. So I'll be curious to see. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, like, with the with this with this infrastructure transportation bill, um, yeah, the the I mean, since self driving cars are here already, that mean you know we can imagine in five years these might actually be happening in volume, and so like the smart traffic thing. I mean, I'm not sure that red light green light situation makes sense in a world with autonomous cars, but. In the short term, we're like coexisting, right? We're gonna have human cars coexisting with with robot cars, and so we're gonna get weird half solutions for a while. Yeah, I still but, hope we get to the chance to like, if you want to click on from autonomous to like manual, you still get to because I, I do <laughs> I do love to drive. That's one thing I really enjoy. Would you love to drive in a car? In the back seat with your phone, like turn your phone ninety degrees, hold it like a video game controller, and <laughs> drive so around. Oh man, that sounds scary. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, I mean, this. That, I mean, that sounds like a thing in like metropolitan areas. Can you imagine like back roads, like Wisconsin, like turning down some like back highways? <laughs> Wild. Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. That's a good question. Like, I mean, I'm. I'm assuming Tesla's handle deer just fine. Ah. But that scares me, though, like, because, again, you're like, oh, there's this vague shape off on the side of the road, and I know that I need to be suddenly panicking because it could, you know, leap yeah. out at any moment. Right? And is and is it trained on Midwestern rural driving? Probably not. Probably not. So. Freaking deer. <laughs> they're so delicious, though. I know. I speaking of deer, I got hunting this weekend. Also, okay. One short little thing before we like peace. <laughs> Careful when we're out there uh, dealing with our white-tailed deer. Do we know why, John? No, why? Uh, they have become a reservoir for COVID nineteen. Uh, COVID nineteen is spreading rapidly across the white-tailed deer population. And, oh wow! Uh, yep. So we got to be careful, um, making sure that uh, wear our masks even when uh, cleaning deer this summer, or this season. It's been recommended because it is so. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were going to say wear your masks when you know having conversations with deer or singing. <laughs> I was close contact with a buck. <laughs> But no, I suppose if they're hanging dead in front of you, you could spend a lot of time in close contact with the deer. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> yep, yeah. Or if you're my uncle, like picking up roadkill. <laughs> oh, probably tastes the same for being on it. <laughs> yeah, true. It's uh, cold outside, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, so that's an interesting, and not to end this in a in a tailspin, but yeah, talk about a whoa. 
Well, and right now as we're recording it, COVID in lacrosse is like explodey, huge, exploded. So, I mean, I what was the? I mean, I think the number was like two hundred and some cases or something in a day. It's Oh, it, it's a come and go. Sort of, I mean, we're, we're at like the no. sixth peak now or something. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, even in, yeah, right. Even in, and re, you know, there was a lot of reinfections with the different variants too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's here to stay now that it's got a host to live in that isn't human. So. Oh, right, right, right. Endemic. Oh, I don't. Maybe we should vax the deer. Do you think they're non-compliant? <laughs> like, what percentage oh. of deer are like? You know, anti-vaxxers. Their body's their choice. I know. That's right. That's that's especially like Oh dear. Off. <laughs> especially like it's you know, can you really like <laughs> we, we can't make that argument when we, you know, literally kill them for sport and food. Like <laughs> it's your body. Uh, uh, except your except for several weeks during the November, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, brother. Oh, John. <laughs> well, it was well, good to hang out with you, sir. It was really good to hang out with you. I. Uh, oh, yeah. We probably won't have an episode next week because it's uh, Thanksgiving. Ooh, yeah. Good point. So we'll be coming back and reminiscing off of uh, family togetherness and all sorts of good stuff. That sounds good. All right. I like well, that. that I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm envisioning. I like the envisioning. Yeah, me too. I think I'll have a sweater on that day. Um, I'm apparently, according to uh, sources in the doll school, I am dressed like a robber today. Oh. I'm black out, so I'll be a little <laughs> bit more jolly next time around. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're just like the edgy member of like you know the Jackson Five or something. Ooh. I was singing, singing. You're yeah. I've always been a little angsty. Mm. <laughs> Uh, very good. Well, I don't John, think anybody. Yeah, I, 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 have, I don't have any angsty cred yet. We, we can work on we'll it. We'll work on it. 